Hello! little business before we start the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, find us at anchor.fm forward slash magical podcast. We're also on Instagram. There's some links there. If you'd like to share the podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. There's a lot of easy links to do that on our Anchor site. Give us a subscribe there. Give us a subscribe wherever you listen. And if you find anywhere to rate and review us, that also gives us a lot more opportunity to share what we're doing over at Magical. So thank you so much for your support. And of course, check out the show notes where you can find links for our guests material and support our sister podcast, Lilith's Left Hand. You can follow them at lilithlefthand.com. They have a new website. Hope you check them out. Take care. to another episode of Magical Podcast. I'm your host, Paul B. with Jessica B. Yes. And we have a we have a real we're really excited. We have a guest today. Uh, another one of the local Pacific Northwest witch community, Siona. Siona, welcome. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. Now I did want to get, like give a good introduction, but you you actually have so many various practices. It's kind of <laughs> a mouthful to go over. So would you be okay kind of uh, giving a little background of, of your personal practice? Yeah, absolutely. So I would sum up my practices, if it can be summed up, definitely spiritual inquiry and root work, really just honoring uh, African traditional uh, religion, working through and, and practicum, you know, like what is practical in today's world to, to do, the resources that we have and... Um, yeah, and ancestor work. Lots of that. I love, I, I really would love to talk about your ancestor work. I um, read a piece that you wrote, I think uh, maybe it was last year, and you talked about a big move and, and it being really emotional and you calling your mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that that piece. Like it, I loved it so much. Um, and in it, you talked about how you had done some ancestral healing work with her. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to ask you about that. You go through changes in life. And I think that one thing that I've noticed from a lot of people in our community who are spiritual or, you know, have done shamanic work at all, or have a deep, you know, ancestral connection now, it's, it's not always that you were just born with this connection. You know, I think that Sometimes, um, you know, during childhood, you go through, you know, one phase where you just, you start noticing that you're, you know, something about you is a bit different. Sometimes you go through, through different, what we like to call sort of initiations into the spirit world. And I went through one. Then your awakening isn't always like, oh, okay, like, you know, I had a, a near-death experience and now I know that I'm always going to be on this path, you know, and I've 
figured everything out. No, it's just like, okay, well, welcome now to Barnes and Noble's occult section and then figure <laughs> out which <laughs> which kind of which are you? Or like what like what how do you explain the phenomenon of of yourself? And it's not always a linear path, even after you've had um maybe an experience that has changed your life. Sometimes you have to really hit rock bottom. Um and uh I've hit rock bottom like couple times you know and there's been times where I thought I figured out exactly what I want and um you know when you've got it figured out and then all of a sudden like you know chance and the world hits you and you're sort of like psycho Mike uh no (laughs) where do I where do I go from it and and I had that in that particular day on that particular article what I talked about is that I had to phone home like E.T. You know, I, was, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, mom, you know, and and um, that's what I did. And, uh, you know, and uh, it meant that I had to build a stronger relationship with where I came from and come to grips with that. I think like um, my move to Oregon, in a sense, was a, the first time that I really felt like I was an adult, you know. I mean, I I lived in New York City. I've lived on my own in New York City. You know, I've lived with partners. Um, I've traveled the world. But then Portland, Oregon was the first place where I felt like just walking down the street, I was like, this is my home. And I've never even been to the West Coast. Like, I didn't even really know. My mom was like, where the fuck is Oregon? You know? And she was like, it's above San Francisco and below Seattle. And she's like, do you have bears there? she's like I was like why are you going she's like when she told when I told her I was gonna move she's like are you going out why are you going out there and and I said um I just really like the nature so she's like so you want to live in the woods like a bear is that that your plan you know she's a Capricorn you know so they they really question every motive that you that you have and they are very good with having a specific game plan I feel like and so and she's always had that and um you know, and then uh, at one point she just said, use your magic. And I was like, what? Like, she was like, you know, when I was lost and I was here, she was just like, you've, you've always had this, you know, you always have this in you and, you know, you help everyone do and find their thing and, and you've done magic for people. We just like, stop and do magic for yourself. And I was just like, oh, oh yeah, I forget that I'm in this equation, you know, I kind of have like this. You ever had that? Yes, a hundred percent. I I really resonated with the article. I moved here without knowing anybody. It was one of the loneliest times of my life for the first mm-hmm. couple of weeks. But sometimes it's like, have you ever had a really bad headache and you just sat around with it? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'll drink some water and I'll do this. And then for me, Paul will come home. Like, could you take a Tylenol? <laughs> I hadn't considered it. Yeah, yeah, this aspirin thing, you know that. Yeah, and so that's what it sounds like too. Like, yeah, she was reminding you of this thing that is in your in your tool belt. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's good to have people in your life um, like that. You know, I I was a solitary witch for a very long time, and just out of practicality and. Um, you know, just to be reminded that, you know, you are such a very important part of that equation. You know, you have to heal the healer. You have to, you know, the things that you go through 
it's very important. Um, I think as, uh, as the quote goes, put on your, put on your own, uh, mask first, <laughs> your, yes. your breathing mask first before you, you know, help other people. So yeah, it's very, uh, you know, it's very important. I love that. The, I've been thinking about the breathing mask analogy a ton lately (laughs) just trying to you know take care of ourselves in in a way that is honoring ourselves so that we can do the work that we want to do for other people absolutely you know think of emergency workers who are out there right now and people in the medical profession and you know um you know all these all these folks who have to go in and, and put on a brave face day after day. And you read their stories and you're like, how do they replenish themselves? You know, we deal with a lot of the physical sickness, but then the spiritual sickness, which is something that can, that can easily affect you and affect your family. It's very, very real. And it's psychological, it's emotional, it's, you know, um, it's tiring, it's taxing. And, you know, how do you go back to the well and fill up so that, you can serve, you know, I think, um, I think particularly, I feel this more as a woman, I think that we have this self-sacrifice, you know, the same way you put yourself down for like your, your kids, you know, or people that you loved or, you know, anyone you thought was noble and worth dying for, you know, but then it's just like, dude, did you at least drink water today? You know, like, did you, yeah, you yourself that? Lately, I've been saying, I I think a lot of women do this thing where they become the martyrs, right? So they do everything for everybody at the detriment to themselves, but then they hang it up as if it's something that is to be looked upon as as a good thing that they did that. But I I don't, yeah, I I reject that now. I mean, I, I, all my life, I think that I thought that that was the way to do it. But I really find myself rejecting that because you're not happy. Uh, Like the women that I know that are the martyrs of their lot, like that they take care of everyone to the detriment of themselves are not happy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I want my children to see me be happy. I want my children to see me use my magic so they know that someday when they move across the country or to another country which I hope that they do I mean it sounds horribly scary and like <laughs> as I'm saying it I'm like clenching up inside but I <laughs> it will happen it will yes happen. I hope but I I want them to know that they can use their magic like they saw me Dude. and um yeah, yeah. totally absolutely and that's the that's the perfect like role model to have because you know when you know when you look at it as a kid and you think about you know we used to think I'm I'm sure like at least I could say this is true about myself you know my grandmother would wake up at 4 30 in the morning and she would like wash the kitchen floors and she was like always up at the crack of dawn you know and and as a kid I didn't of course I didn't understand like why she did these things and then I as I grew up I learned that yeah okay she grew up it makes sense now she grew up on a farm you know in the countryside of Jamaica and you know when I got old enough to feel like comfortable to ask her things you know uh, because you know I grew up in one of those houses where you know um, 
with the elders, you know, try and, you know, it's okay to be seen, but, you know, children aren't really heard. And so you can ask questions, but, you know, they, they better not be inappropriate for your age, you know? And so when I felt old enough that I could ask, but my grandma, why the hell were you up at 4.30 in the morning? She was like, that's the only time that nobody was running through my kitchen. You know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the floors. It was a practical thing, you know, and, you know, and then there was just, uh, you know, the art of routine, you know, all these things that we learn um, from them that we first, you know, as, as teenagers, especially, we're just like, hell no, I'm never going to do that. I don't understand why the heck they would do that. That's such a bad decision. You know, you start like looking at your adults and you're just like, why, why did they do these things? Um, but that's only coming from a perspective of when you're not explained um, to as a child, you know, and, and if you have kids, I think that, you know, it's a good practice to help them, you know, to do things with them and to explain things to them as the, as you go, even if it doesn't seem to make any sense, because sometimes in doing it and then seeing you do something nonsensical, you know, then you can own up to, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it this way because this is just how I freaking like to do it, you know, or I like it done. For example, like, you know, I wanted to do a money spell. Um, particularly what had happened was I had lost my rent. Um, like there was a scam that had happened when I was trying to move to this place in Brooklyn and the um, prospective landlord took all my rent money um, for moving in. And that was like $3,000 or something like that. And I was terrified that I wouldn't see the money again. Worst yet, I mean, like, I was also stranded between apartments. And so um, I was at home in my mom's kitchen. And, you know, I called my godmother and she starts saying, you know, she tells me, you know, you should start uh, burning some bay leaves. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you know, do this incantation, burn the bay leaves and the money come back to you. So I'm in the kitchen, I'm burning the bay leaves. And then my, at the time, like, four-year-old niece walks in and she's like, auntie, what you doing? And I'm like, you know, I'm getting my money back. And she's like, she looks at me and she looks at the Baileys and she's like, can I do that too? Like, you know, I was like, we, did you lend money to someone? She's like, no, but my mommy needs some money. So maybe I can help her. You know, And I think it's so sweet. Like, you know, because they're very intuitive. They're very well aware of what's going on. And so I think that's what's definitely changed between generations. It's, um, you know, us now being willing to explain and be held accountable more for our actions, whereas in even previous generations, we didn't talk about these things, you know? Um, yeah, we've really missed yeah. out on a lot of the eldership mm-hmm. um, that that other that other cultures we would have received mm-hmm. as we were growing up. Like, colonialism just yeah. destroyed that. And, and so we miss out on... The normal daily routine stuff, going back Mm -hmm. to that, like some of that is really important and you can get a lot of personal joy from that stuff Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of satisfaction and doing the things that you need to like maintain yourself and your home in a, in a way that, that makes the air feel clean, that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that you can move around and it's good for kids to be able to do that with you. But the way that we live now people don't do that so much. We don't have a lot of the storytelling, like as you do things, you tell stories, you talk about why you do it, all of that stuff. A lot of us, I don't personally know anybody that had any um, grandparents or great grandparents that really 
did that kind of stuff with them and told stories. I had an aunt. I still have her. She's amazing. That all, that I spent a lot of time with. And she really spent time with us and constantly told us stories. And it was, it made a huge impact on who I am now as an adult. Uh, and so I want, I think that, that aspect of storytelling and making sure that you kids, kids are seen is, is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, telling your family stories is not only like key to like keeping, you know, you know, your own family myths alive. I mean, but yeah, involving them in the story, like passing on the torch, you know, you can yeah. tell more stories because your aunt told you, you know, I had aunts who were teenagers at the time when I was, you know, coming of age and, and young. Um, and, um, my mom, even though, you know, and, and my parents just generally raised us Christian, they snuck uh, mythology books over to me, you know, they like, they, they, I got like, you know, Greek mythology and Norse mythology. And I was like, wow, here are like these gods, you know, and, and these are like fairy tales, you know, but we had, we had those and those just, you know, geared our imaginations to thinking, okay, well, maybe just this Bible story isn't the whole story, you know, like everyone, it, it definitely expands you and, and having those elders who are around um, to, to share those is like so key, you know, we don't sit around fires anymore and, and share things, but, um, you know, it's, it doesn't necessarily need to be as elaborate as that, but sometimes it's just uh, telling little snippets of like your own childhood, you know, once I did this and this is crazy, you know, and and it makes your it makes your kids think of you definitely in a different light. It makes you know other people, um, you know, definite to share your own um, your own history in a way. Are you uh, the first person or the only person? So do, somebody in your family is the one that told you to burn the bay leaves. Uh, so my godmother, um, yes, my godmother. The one that in particular, I have three godmothers and it's pretty funny because they're all like, they're all like, I feel like Sleeping Beauty with the three, three godmothers, you know, I'm like, why can I have one? So my mom had two best friends uh, growing up in, um, in high school. And, um, and then the third one, the one that told me to burn the bay leaves is Lilith Dorsey. She is, um, she's amazing. And she's, she's phenomenal. You know, she's my, she's my chosen a uh, godmother, um, you know, I asked, I asked for her guidance and, um, she was so amazingly kind to like, um, be like, yeah, I'll be your godmother. I remember like the day that I like, after, I was just totally a fangirl. I was like, uh, I don't know if you have like, you know, like an opening, to, you know, I really need mentorship in this way. Um, so, and she was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> she's, she's like, sure, I'll do it. You know, and she's, she's been a crazy cool guide um you know leading me um and teaching me um and we we talk pretty frequently she's she's really great and her books are amazing um if you haven't i definitely uh recommend um reading the uh you know arisha goddesses book that she has out and it's doing well it's on its third printing so get it <laughs> yes uh i know uh, there's some pla there is uh a lot of places that you can get it, and I know there's one in Portland that it's selling like hotcakes because that's where I got it. So <laughs> that's and and like it just goes to show, like um, you mentioned that she mentored you in some ways, and mm -hmm. I just 
I can't say enough good things about how important it is for anybody that is going down the path to find somebody to mentor them because it's scary when you start doing things and you want to really talk about it. Sometimes you look online and you can't really, there's too many answers and none of them feel right. (laughs) Right. But that's like all of like the world of, you know, magic and and witchcraft and, and shamanism. It's like, is there really like one right answer? No, you know, like there's, it's, you know, you want to honor tradition as much as possible, but you know, definitively um, at the end, you're going to have to, you know, do you're you have to be held accountable for yourself, you know, and there's many different paths to, to what you're trying to achieve. I believe that's the reason why there's a difference between like Condomble and, and Santeria and Obia and, you know, voodoo, but they all have this core base in Yoruba and the Yoruba world. So yeah, and you know, the same thing can be said about Wicca, you know, you've got um, many different paths there. And so when you're first trying to find a teacher, I think you definitely, you know, one of the key things is um, research their background, you know, um, read up and find out not only who they are, but what they believe and if what they believe resonates with you. And having good guidance is very important. And so whoever you do choose, you have to realize that, you know, some of their beliefs are going to get imprinted on you, you know, and some of the things that they do um, may also affect your spiritual life. So you have to definitely make that um, decision very seriously. And if you're very serious about you know, going down a particular path, you have to always check in with yourself, you know, is this right? And use your common sense. Don't do something that's, that doesn't make sense. You know. Oh, yeah, I think that's always an important reminder. I know there's a lot of people that go out and get readings, mm-hmm. uh, not just tarot, but spirit work and ancestor work. And, and then they try and make it fit. So they try so hard to make those things fit when really we need to remember if it doesn't, if it, if it doesn't fit for you, it doesn't fit for you. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I am interested in hearing about uh, what Obeya Kabbalah is. Mm, That is really good. What is it? How do you explain it? So, so Obeya Kabbalah, the reason why that is something that I've, I've been studying for quite some time and the reason why, you know, it's something that I've been practicing for a while. When you choose to do ancestor work, I think some of the strongest work that you can do for yourself is things that, uh, or practices that are in your lineage. Me coming from uh, Jamaican, Jewish, Indian background, ha- that for me made the most sense um, for me to, to study and get grounded in. Um, Obia in and of itself you know, it's a lot of root work, but the thought behind the Kabbalah piece of it has a lot to do with, with, with the, with a lot of how the cosmos and the spoken word. So using words, and I don't know how much you guys know about the Kabbalah, but there's a lot of power in, in the alphabet, in how words are used. And so in combining um, those two practices for me, my studies have been a lot along the lines of root work and verbal incantations and, and prayers and, and um, you know, practices of that sort. 
it's you are are like looking at it through the lens of like your lineage and these mm -hmm. are all the things that speak to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so I love it. I think that any anyone who decides to do any sorts of ancestral work, I think that one of the most powerful things is definitely diving into what's in your bloodline, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes people just don't know and sometimes you have to do a bit of research. You know, do a 23andMe or, you know, um, Ancestry.com and, and, and kind of look it up because you do have a lot of people out in the world who, you know, we're all part we're all one one people and in Jamaica that's that's part of our our national flag you know it's just like out of you know out of many one people and um and uh we come from all over the globe and so you know in figuring out what your history is and and diving deeper I mean one you start realizing oh that thing that you know annoyed you or maybe like you were turned off by that no that's <laughs> or that thing you're allergic to, like you're lactose intolerant. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> you know, no milk baths for you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, you you find out quite a bit, but when you dive deeper, um, you can maybe explain some of the behaviors that you have, but you could also see maybe how your ancestors lived and some of the belief systems that they held. And and when you research them, do they speak to you? And if they speak to you, then that might be something that might work really, really well. And that can look like so many things, you know, um, when you really dive into it. And when you realize you have so many um, tools at your arsenal, you're like, look at what you can create now. You can create a practice that is true and authentic to you and um, your family. Not everybody has a family that isn't, you know, that is really magical, you know, or come from that. Some people, you know, it's just been forgotten over generations. You know, if you've had grandparents and, and parents who just didn't believe in those things and, you know, because basically they had to be focused on working and staying alive, you know, living, yeah. living, you know, those things easily, you know, can get lost between the pages of time. And so, um, yeah, I think doing a lot of um, deep inquiry helps bring that up. Yeah, I love this. I like to talk about ancestor work, especially now. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure that it's always been extremely important, right? <laughs> but for just such a long time, because of things that we've already mentioned, a lot of people were not able to honor their ancestors in a way that they had previously. And so I think that now... I, I don't know if it was just me and people always were an, like honoring their ancestors or there is like now people are becoming more aware of it. And I'm talking about in the United States, people mm -hmm. are finally talking about it and becoming more aware of it. Um, and it seems so important to deal with this right now. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we're sharing more, I think. Yeah. I think also because of the the you know blessing and maybe curse of <laughs> social media um you know we are talking and we're m more discovering how much we are alike you know than how much we are different or how much empathy we can have for someone else's situation because we can see it online you know we can see what's being shared you know and um that's making us have a lot of this dialogue now um that we maybe you know 
you kind of kept this stuff like locked up in your own personal home, you know, um, no one really, at least in my perspective, you know, you didn't, it was something taboo to talk about, but it's such an important part of life. You know, we have a life cycle We're we're born, we do a lot of things and then we die, you know, and hopefully we get to do a lot of things. And so you think about it, like in, in every uh, practice, there is a, a birthing process and then there's a death process how do you bury your dead the act of burying your dead your ancestors those who came before you you know at one point you buried your ancestors under your floorboards and then that's you know why some believe that homes had multiple levels eventually was because you were always you you stayed where your ancestors were buried when we think about that and we think about how close that your ancestors your the people your your elders were to you you know you honored and you paid respect to them and you remembered them and and we remembered markers you know as we got through life so that's all part of a ritual and so you know that I think is the the beginning of ancestor um, appreciation and then calling them you know and and saying hey you know um, I need help with something and developing a relationship with them you know, I, I feel like if you don't have a relationship with your ancestors, it's sort of like calling up that aunt that you never talked to for many, many years. It's just like, and then you like ask them for like, hey, can I borrow like a hundred bucks? They're like, uh, you know. Like, <laughs> who are you? Like, yeah. who are you? You know, it's not always the end goal to just also like just say, okay, I'm, I'm developing this relationship because later I need, you know, I need to take out some credit, you know, I need you to go yes. something. But um, no, I think it's it's also it's also about you know honoring the fact that they went to all those struggles already. You know, like they had to figure out housing and food and you know love and and the basics, and they had to deal with all the things that you've done, and probably to a, a much harder extent. So you know, calling them up and asking them for advice, I mean, seems the most logical. You know, like how did you handle it? And know that you can handle it because they did. You know, they yes, they have learned lessons for <laughs> us. Right. Just like we are learning lessons now. Yeah. For absolutely. others. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know. It. it it's. A, this is an interesting conversation because I. You know. I. I grew actually. Grew up in a magical household. So mm-hmm. um, I am first generation, at least on my dad's side, from Southeast Asia. They had practices and, you know, things that, you know, a lot of people are practicing now, mm-hmm. a little bit, or at least exploring more, you know, fortune telling, um, mm. honoring ancestors, you know, speaking, you know, con- uh, considering spirits. Mm. And, and I, you know, I, so I saw it like in a, in a fast time where my grandparents, when they came over, saw that as a useless thing here. It, it offered you no value. And so having to like Shed kind it. of yeah. you know, sh- put it to the side, put it, yeah, like, yeah. just And then luckily I am not that far removed from it to be able to explore mm-hmm. it again. But I can't imagine what people who've had families for generations pushing that aside because they live in a uh, you know, society that doesn't not just only not value it, but it also like, really you know shuns it completely yeah absolutely 
you don't have to imagine it. I am from that family. (laughs) I mean, I don't, we didn't honor, I mean, my aunts would tell stories and I swear, I think she's a hedge witch, um, (laughs) but she doesn't know it. Right. So she would tell us all these stories and all the, like, it was all these Appalachian stories about hobos that ride trains and like all this fun stuff. And so I learned a lot from her, but other than, I mean, but not, I didn't grow up having any ancestor reverence from in my family. I don't, I don't know my mom's dad's name. He died well before I was born and I can't get past where he came from in Ireland. Like that's as far as I can go. They're clearly weren't talking about their families. Um, And so, and it was for a long time. So starting to work on those lines, Mm -hmm. the ancestral healing lines for that side of my family, for my mother's side was really difficult. Oh yeah, absolutely. yeah, because you're looking back for a well ancestor pretty far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but it's doable. It's doable. It's definitely but, doable. I mean, you think about it, you know, there's many reasons. The same kind of reasons that people, you know, may not talk to past family members today. I mean, you know, even in, for example, taking Jamaica, for instance, and like my great-grandfather coming from India um, and his parents, um, um, you know, migrating over and, you know, there was this perception where, um, you know, if you were able to migrate it and, and, and make, you know, make it over in the States or in the, in the Americas, then great. Good for you. You know, like you, you've maybe made it, but then there's so many people who their idea of making it, it was just that I am not that poor that, you know, I know at least that I have food on the table. And I could send some money home, but it's not. There was a difference in 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 how people found that it was okay to live. Like you could be, you know, if you're in the Americas, and you know, to an extent back then, if you, you know, if you were doing well and you had a piece of land, but even though you may have a piece of land, you could never really travel back home. There are so many people who left and they could never go back home, and there was. Also, others who they had irreconcilable, you know, irreconcilable differences with, with uh, their own families, and they and they left and they took a chance. You know, they decided to be who they were or to find their own fortune abroad, and so you know they never connected back again with those families that they left behind in in other places, and with that, you know, some of that heritage and that you know, that ancestry knowledge had to be shed because as Paul said, it wasn't practical. You know, it's like, okay, who has time? If if you have no, nobody to bury, then you don't need to do a whole ritual about it. You know, you're in a new land and you've got to adapt to these new customs. And that was just a matter of survival, you know, um, because if you were too different, then you risk your life, you know, you risk uh, of, starving to death you risk being ostracized or getting excommunicated so that's a a huge that's a great point that you've made it's super interesting because it's you come to america and then you want to be american so you have to shed some of these practices that um, people have been doing for centuries that really impact your life so significantly and it's you know when you think about how many people live in the united states 
that are depressed and um, alone and just we have you know we have so much we have so much homelessness um, oh, yeah. we have so many issues and I think that that is downstream from the fact that when people came here they needed to to fit in to this narrative mm-hmm. like if you yeah, you don't have a four walls and a roof then you're you know, then you yes. don't count, yes. you know, <laughs> like if you are elderly, you know, in other, in other places, you know, you took care of your elderly and, and they were very much a part of the family structure, you know, up until they died. Now, you know, we have our elder population and, you know, being taken care of by someone else, or we've moved away from them, um, or our hometowns, or there are nursing homes and, um, the, the community structure has definitely changed. So there's less support, you know, all, all around. And so you end up being older and, and passing away on your own without your family, you know, and, and that's tragic, you know, because you're in a sense, you're forgotten. You're forgotten while you're alive. Oh my gosh, you're so depressing. It is tragic. <laughs> it is so sad. And I am so glad yeah. that we are talking about this and that a lot of people are talking about this. And I don't know if I lived in mm. some sort of alternate reality before I had more of an awakening that I didn't realize that this was so much of a discussion for such a long time because it does seem like people really are talking about it now and and you can go find people to help you call in your ancestors if you know if you don't feel confident in doing it you can go look for other people to help you and teach you so that you can do it for yourself i am so grateful that we're talking about this kind of stuff now and at least me and you right now <laughs> um, because it needs to it yeah i i, I don't like uh, i do not i'm not enjoying america right now um yeah yeah it's a to be you know and it's it's our america you know it's the america you know that you know that um in a sense you know we've had some part in you know for a while and it's great that you know that we're finding new ways to connect and i think it's it's all part of i think what we hope america will look like in the future you know i think that we're seeding those hopes putting together those dreams and making people more awake and more awoke and you know, and, and giving them tools um, so that they can, you know, change that idea of what the American dream should have been and giving them space to have their own own dreams, you know, whatever that might look like. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like a lot of this stuff when you're, when you're doing ancestor work, when you're doing, when you're trying to reconnect mm-hmm. with that community feel of like reconnecting with your family reconnecting with death reconnecting with those who have passed on it seems like we're addressing it it seems like everything a a lot of times when you're when you're connecting with that and trying to heal it you Mm -hmm. start to see the problems it kind of creates so like a lot of times i feel like when i'm seeing all the Mm -hmm. all the anger and want for something more it's like we're it's like we're actually finally challenging this backlog of un of, of lacking ceremony <laughs> lacking honoring yeah, each other yeah. honoring ourselves 
And mm. taking the space when things happen to feel the things instead of putting them off and hiding them and throwing them onto something else. So, yeah. Right. We right. can't hide anymore, yes. right? Like, we're home right now. Like, you know, you can't, like, hide it behind work or, yeah, you know, I've got to go out and have a, you know, go, go out to a restaurant or order the movies and there's other distractions. Nope. There's just a lot of you time yes. right now, you know? Um, for everyone and um, yeah so dealing with that backlog and like you know opening up that old that old closet in the basement you know so to speak Um, and like gotta get those donation boxes ready and start like freaking sorting out what you're gonna keep and what you're gonna toss away you know and with every with you know the more and more of us that do this work the higher like vibration things feel absolutely absolutely so like you know people will ask me you know when doing like ancestral work you know some really great questions that I've gotten you know which is like you know oh you know I have a lot of issues with my family right now and I'm like hey you know going back to that point that we made earlier start with yourself you can't make anybody do any work that they don't want to do right you know but when you start really like healing those areas of yourself and you start confronting them and putting them in their place and either owning them or saying, Hey, this is not, this isn't who I want to be. You know, this isn't a reflection of, you know, what I want to do. And you start healing them. It starts, you are connected to your, even your living living family right, right now will start tapping into it. You know, I used to like, uh, tarot cards in my house when my mom found those like when I was a teenager uh, I got out of my house. it was so I couldn't explain the runes I couldn't she was it around you know she's just like and this book by silver fox whoever you know like she's like what are you trying to do you know in this house and I, you know and I would be like I'm just I'm curious about it and now she's all like hey when you come from Portland you're gonna visit she's like can you bring me a whole bunch of this sage? I really like it. And you know, she's all like, you know, she's like, I just got into an argument with your sister. I'm just going to sage the whole house now. You know, like, I'm like, all right, mom. You know, now she's cultivating her own sage, you know, products and putting those together. And it's like, it's amazing because she's healing in a, in a way that I would never expect. I just stayed true to my own path. And in seeing that and being the example for it, I think that it starts to heal. It starts to heal your own bloodline. Other people will say, oh, you know, I have a relative who's facing an addiction, you know, right now, and and they have this addictive, I was like, well, try to be there with, for them within reason, let them know that you're there for them, because, you know, maybe at some point, you're going to be their lifeline, you know, in, in taking like a, you know, healing stance and offer them, you know, some sort of cleansing, you might help them feel better for a day. When uh, my sisters, um, as well as some other family members, they were like, can you, can you do a cleansing? You know, can you do a working? Can you read a card? And I'm like, before you used to kick my ass about, you know, like, all this devil worshiper stuff that I used to do, you know, like, and now look who wants a cleansing, right? You know, so, um, but it's funny, you know, you, I, I say that to them in, in jest and, and they realize that something is working in them and they can't quite explain it and and they wanted it all along, but they had a lot of fear attached to it. You know, another question I had was from 
a friend of mine who came from some family who was really, really racist. And they were just like, I don't want to hook up with my ancestors who were involved with lynching and, you know, all of this, you know, from the deep south. You know, how do I, you know, tap into that magical part of myself, but knowing that these people are in my lineage, you know, and and feeling a lot of guilt about that. And I was like, well, do the work of the anti-racism work, you know, for yourself. And you, even when you tap into your ancestors and if you communicate with them, you get to choose how that dialogue goes. You get to choose who you want to work with. And you also still have, you know, a uh, control over your own body and mind. You know, it's not like they're just going to, um, at least not in my perspective, you know, just jump in inside of you like this is some ghost too and just start talking and deciding to go around like going in KKK meetings or anything like this. You know, it's like, you know, you you are still at the helm of your consciousness. Um, yes, I don't, I I agree. <laughs> I suggest that people before they start doing work like ancestor work and, and can, that they remind themselves right that they themselves are a powerful being absolutely they, yeah you can protect yourself you can you can actively protect yourself from your ancestors from spirits from actual from everybody yes um, yes yes you have that capacity absolutely. like yeah ancestor work is definitely there but you know you still have to do the other work which is cleansing and protection work i feel like that should be like the 101 of of every magical practice that you decide to get into if you don't have experience you know is cleanse and protect yourself you know and keep on your awares at all times yeah and remember to ask yourself questions like if Mm -hmm. you go into something and you are cleansing or, or you're doing some ancestor work with some people that you know like you were just mentioning are are not really people that you want to spend that you would want to spend time with if something feels off to you you can just ask yourself if it's yours you know where is this coming from and then just listen and be aware and be open to that exactly yeah exactly I feel like this is a good time to ask you about I I read your article on um how can witchcraft support the Black Lives Matter movement? And I was thinking about that when you started talking about people coming to you and wanting to, you know, kind of heal their lines, yeah. but being scared. So, yeah, there's there's so much, in, you know, um, that has occurred in the last few weeks, especially, you know, here in Portland yeah. um, and across the world with Black Lives Matter, it, it's it's very interesting um, to see the, the amount of change and the amount of inquiry, personal inquiry that has happened. And people honestly, you know, from a really, you know, honest, deep place are wondering how they can, how can they be better people about something that they may have not seen before or maybe even, um, you know, they come to an actualization and they realize that they have a lot of freaking work to do, you know? Yeah. So in addition to, you know, your own like ancestral work and in addition to learning to be indoors and, and all the changes that are happening, you know, how do we address how black witch lives matter? And how do we support that community within the magical community? How do we really 
get in front of racism that is occurring. And, and so that article was to give some tips on just things that you can do, things that are obtainable, I felt like. And, and by all means, you know, as I, as I mentioned, um, it is not a exhaustive, complete list of all the things, you know, that one can do. But it definitely, I think, helped to get some people started. And I'm really, um, you know, I'm really humbled by that. So a, a common topic with a lot of people in, that I'm running into, at least because, you know, we, we tend to have lots of conversations with people about spiritual yeah. practice. And a lot of people have been running into the question of not really understanding cultural appropriation, yeah, cultural appropriation yeah. in the magical world and not understanding mm-hmm. what that is. So some, you know, some may be called to a certain practice, but maybe it doesn't fit in, you know, lineage that maybe that they find within their 23andMe or whatever yeah, they feel yeah. drawn to it. But, you know, it's like standoffish about how to approach that lineage of magic and how to, or even how to respect it once they start practicing it. And, th- and you know, questions like that. I just I found it really fascinating. You know, can you speak more on that? So I, I can speak from, you know, my, my point of view, you know, as a, as a, a, a BIPOC person, um, I feel like um, this is something that has come up many times um, for cultural appropriation. I remember, you know, I've I've had the privilege of traveling a lot and spending a lot of time um, um, in other countries and working with um, indigenous folks um, um, as well as spiritual people from from different backgrounds and um one of the tricky things is is how when i'm when i'm engaging with these um you know with these practitioners or um i'm you know following their practice you know i i have to come at it from a level of respect i come at it as i know nothing and i want to give back more than i take away you know, um, when I, when I'm learning something, when it comes to appropriation, uh, many people who are in those spiritual practices, um, have been doing that work, some of them for their whole lives. The reason that they have the respect that they do is because they are recognized by their community, um, their spiritual community and their familial community of having the knowledge or the expertise in the area of which that they are teaching and some of the artifacts of that um, whether it's a Native American headdress or special drum you know or technique of healing that they've developed is something that has been developed by their ancestors over time so obviously I think that anyone in the magic community who who may be an outsider looking in, if you were to see someone who spent a day at a workshop and then said, Oh, you know what? I, I totally got this. I can totally do this laying on hand ceremony, you know, and now I'm going to set up an, you know, I'm going to set up an Etsy shop and an Eventbrite, And now I'm going to heal everybody, you know, and I'm going to run around and give everybody a combo, you know, and do this, you know, like, you know, you kind of like, you know, for people who are, definitely hurt. I feel like it's sort of like a patient doctor relationship. You know, it's like, if you're sick, 
and you're looking for a healer and you find this healer online and you say, okay, this is someone who knows what I'm dealing with and I'm going to go and I'm going to, to see them. If they're not qualified to do what they're doing, they can cause a lot of harm to you, right? Like, right. you know, like if if you suspect that, you know, if you find out that you have cancer and you decide that you are going to go to a person who's dressed like an oncologist, you know, um, <laughs> and you suspect that they, but they have no, you know, no former training in it. Are you going to let them like work on you? Would you? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. But there's many people who, who don't know how to differentiate. And there's also many people who don't know how to find the help that they need. So marketing and advertising has been a tool where many people have used and leveraged that, you know, to make a profit and to, you know, give themselves that, you know, um, the accolades that, that belongs to, uh, to that, to that healing, that healing community. Now, I, I will preface by saying, like, if you have, if you're recognized by the community, um, let's say you're not from a particular community, but you um, have gone through all the rites of passage, and that community recognizes you as a healer, I think that you, you do have a right to use it, you know. Um, there's people who believe in reincarnation. You know, maybe you were from a different background um, growing up, and now you are. I mean, like from a different background in a past life, and now you you're in a in a di- in a new background, and and so maybe there's something about that religion or that spiritual calling that calls to you. I say, if you really are very invested in that particular practice, then do the rigor. Go right. get, your, get that whatever that doctorate level is in that, and get recognized by that community, um, and have their support and permission to practice those tools, and then that's fine. But I think that taking without being uh, and having the accreditation to do it is is um karmatically messed up (laughs) right that's the part that sounded I mean like to me when I read that just like yes it's the you gotta do the work right right the people who have done the work right right yeah and there's a reason why it's that way you know I mean and and that makes logic you know logical sense to us and um, you know, I think beyond, you know, beyond race and beyond skin color, in that aspect, I, I think that I can agree. If you've done the extensive work, then I think that, you know, you can own it. I have heard in, in you know, previous circles, you know, a lot of the indigenous clans um, as, you know, and, and root workers um, and shamans, um, their practices are being taken out of their community. So, you know, someone comes in, they heal this person who's outside the community, that person from outside the community figures that they've got the basic dynamics and maybe the medicine from that culture. And then they've, you know, they've brought it to a first world country and they're, you know, selling it and, you know, claiming to heal and cure people. And maybe, you know, maybe it can work. But at most times, I think that they they take away from that indigenous community. That indigenous community never sees any of the the benefits, the profits, you know, their families. Being a a healer 
you know, um, is, is very, it's very, very intense work. And, and many young people from those communities, you know, they've, they've left the communities. And so, you know, there's been this, this big opening where people have embraced sharing knowledge and healing knowledge, because we see that there are places where these indigenous communities, you know, may not be available or able to go. And that's where people going and learning, um, I feel like it's sort of like doing an internship or doing a residency, you know, bring the medicine, you can, you know, bring the medicine to those people, but, but what are you giving back to those people that you've learned, you know, those teachers that you've learned from, how can you give back, you know, being cognizant of that, because we weren't, we're not put on this earth by ourselves, and everything that we've learned isn't like something that we've just made up. These all come from places, and I think that we should honor and look back at how we can help those places that we have healed from um, move forward as well. Yeah, I just like to think of it as, yeah, if you're going and studying to be a healer or any of these other practices, mm-hmm. and then you're taking away with it a profit motive and not returning what's given back to, you know, giving yeah. back, then you clearly miss the lesson. <laughs> yes. And addition to, I just want to, the caveat, I do think that we should um, all pay healers because there's also, there's Absolutely. that other end of the coin where people are like, you should do this for free. So there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, so where is that middle, where is that middle? Yeah. Right. There? Well, it's like the same thing with, um, so, and you run into a, I kind of see like similarities in the BIPOC community now mm-hmm. or asking them to come speak on issues like on topics that are very uncomfortable for us <laughs> or asking that community to come speak to us and be like, well, clearly we took a wrong turn somewhere and we need some guidance. Yeah. But oftentimes we're asking that we're not paying, you know, we're, we're not paying them right. to ultimately in their way heal us Mm -hmm. it's like that where is that energy it's like the abusers asking the abused how to deal with the abuse that they've inflicted (laughs) you know like yeah you know like when you're in like a really kinky uh relationship you know where it's just like does that hurt How, how does that hurt exactly can you can you hold this whip and like you know just you know demonstrate just how that hurts you know it's like um (laughs) you're like how do you you know how do you explain that yeah I think a lot of people in the BIPOC community you know we've um we've been like hey this information and what you've been doing isn't anything new there's plenty of books written on it you know it's sort of like okay hey we don't want to do the hard work of actually reading and being involved in your community just tell us like tell us exactly what your demands are, you know, and, and exactly like shortcut, you know, like what we need to know, where I'm just like, no, there's, there's a whole, there's a, there's a whole class on it. If you want to really, you know, go and enroll yourself, you know? Um, so, and, and that really, you know, can be very stressful if you have people in your community and you only have like that one black friend or that one indigenous friend where it's just like, Hey, um, can you teach me about this stuff where it's just like, whoa, dude, you know, like all of a sudden I'm, I'm that one person in your life that you, you know, you're asking me to teach you like a, a course load of information about like why 
the world is the way it is um, and how it's affected me. Like I could tell you my perspective, but educating yourself is like, you have to do that work, you know, seriously. It's not, it's not, it's not fair. You know, it's just like, Hey, I've been telling you all along that my wages aren't the same as, as yours. And all of a sudden the whole world's like, wait a minute. They're not the same. And then it's just like, Dude, how come you never told? It's like, <laughs> huh? You know, and then besides that, it's like, hey, you know, like, let's talk to our boss and make sure that our wages are, let my wages are the same as yours. You know, like, that's the harder work. You know, it's not just knowing it. It's actually like putting it into practice in your, in your everyday life and seeing, you know, what you've missed. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I worry, like, people are approaching it, like, yeah, can you teach me this thing, mm. so it can be, this all this, this can be over, and then yeah. I can go back yeah. to the way it was, and we're like, the problem is, we don't want to go back to the way it was in any stretch, form, or whatever. No, 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 you're right, it's like, the way it was, wasn't working, so we have to find a new, a new way. A new way. Yeah. yeah. I, there's a part of that piece, the um, how witchcraft can support the Black Lives Matter movement piece that discusses, that is about um, examining your own inner bias. And mm-hmm. I do feel like there's a lot of people that are doing that. And then there's also a lot of people that are failing to to acknowledge when something triggers them. So like if somebody says something and it triggers you, they're not actually looking into it or they're getting offended by things that don't, that don't apply to them. Like if it doesn't apply to you, then it doesn't apply to you. But if you're getting upset, maybe it applies to you. Oh man. Yeah. Well, that's, that's going to be a whole nother episode. What you <laughs> yeah. I just, I was, <laughs> when I read that, it, it just felt so important for a lot of the people that I know yeah. that just need to do that work and, uh, we will definitely put that piece in the show notes for anyone that's listening. Should definitely read it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I you so much. No, totally, totally. Like, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like, people are um, they're they're afraid of what they dig up because then, yeah, like you know, a lot of you know what we've also been saying is that it forces you to say, "Have I been this way?" and then you go through, you know, you go through the stages, you go through feeling guilt and then feeling apologetic. And then, you know, some people might go the route of feeling defensive, you know, and um, those are all natural, normal feelings. But at the end of the day, you have to own, you have to own it and then decide how you want to be like, how you, how do you want to be moving forward? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, maybe you have to go back and apologize as you rework through things and it's always good to ask questions. Maybe people won't be willing to answer your questions, but it's nice to know that, you know, you thought of me in the equation, you know, and you asked me for sure. And if I don't want to give you an answer, you know, that's still my, you know, still my right, you know, to, to not have your answer for you, you know, and other people being okay with that. There's a, there's definitely a lot to unpack there, but um, I think that in the, in how the witch community can support, you know, black witches in particular, there is no one, one answer. Everyone's community is going to be different and their needs are going to be different, but 
what you can do, do. And, you know, what's in your bandwidth to do, by all means do. And be okay with with doing that and, and sticking up for when you see shit ain't right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think that that's what, what makes us um, heal, all heal collectively and, and, um, and be patient. Be patient with the results of what you're trying to do. Are you playing with tarot cards while we're talking? I was. How did you know? I, I, wanted, I was going to ask you to pull one and tell us what it is. <laughs> oh you're like psychic like, <laughs> 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 all right all right so um the particular tarot card that i have in my hand is the voodoo tarot mm-hmm. and uh it's cool because lilith dorsey uses these uh quite often hers are well worn where mines are like super not bent up enough you know um, they're getting well worn they're I'm, getting there i'm gonna warm them up you yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go i'm gonna so i'm gonna pull it and what i got was santeria ochusi and uh what the picture is is an arrow shooting towards the sky and there's some foliage on the bottom and the sky is dark and starry so what this card particularly signifies for me, uh, forward moving, quick, rapid movement uh, towards accomplishment, towards your destiny. And uh, the foliage on the bottom represents not only like earth, but it, it represents a lot of what we've been talking about, ironically, you know, our beginnings and growth and movement forward from from an earthly plane into a uh, in, in, into uh, the spiritual outer space. So um, that's, that's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Right yeah. before we talked, I, I picked a card that is from a bestiary, and I don't have it in front of me, so I can't, <laughs> I can't remember who wrote it or who made mm. the deck, but it was a salmon card. And it's uh, you know, about swimming up the river, going home, finding your home, and then giving your home yourself, basically. Receding. Mm-hmm. Receding that and then giving yourself to your home, which I think is feels like what we're talking about too. So yay. I like the two themes of it. Like you have the rapidity of your car and then the the challenge of swimming upstream in the in the in the salmon, and yeah, it does really like it does seem to fit like kind of a theme that we're talking about here. All this work, it is yeah, it's about it's challenging. It's things we didn't imagine we'd have to face in this life, but here we are presented with this, and there's there's kind of a sense of urgency about it. Yeah, like it is a fast moving. I I think that your card is perfect because it's a fast moving upstream battle for <laughs> something we need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the the ten here um, on this card is uh, representative of like the ten of pentacles, mm-hmm. um, and so it's um, very much about um, and the colors are definitely about like um, connection with the with the, you know, universe and, and also, um, just forward moving, you know, and going, going forward into the unknown and with this sense of 
faith, you know, this sense of hope um, that we can have a, a, be a part of something bigger, I feel like. So I, I love that. I love that um, card. Uh, some good some good picks that we have here. Love yes, it. you'll have to send me a picture of that card so that we can uh, put it up when we put out the episode so everybody can see it. And we'll, I like, I'd like to see the deck. Um, like what it, the deck looks like, so it's very yeah, exciting. really, really cool. It's really, really cool, and I think you'll, I think you'll love this, um, this card. I'm sending you the photo right now. Awesome. I feel <laughs> like this is a good wrap up for our conversation. I really, I want to thank you so much for for joining us. I really enjoy reading all of your um, pieces that were on House of Twigs. And um, could you let us know more um, where we can find you? Absolutely. So definitely you could find me uh, there on the House of Twigs. I'm always hanging around QMEB. <laughs> so um, you could do that. You could also um, follow me on Instagram at Ziona, that's Z-I-O-N-N-A-K-I-M. M, I'm on there and there's a lot of cool things bubbling up for this fall and this winter um, with events coming up and online courses uh, that we're putting together. So I will be hosting them there and look out for some cool, some more cool articles from me as I, as I cook them up and, and learn from them myself. So um, thank you guys so much for having me on your show. Yeah, I just, we really just really love the pieces you put up on the House of Twigs. And so thank you so much for coming on. And uh, <laughs> if you, yeah, we would welcome you back anytime. This is an excellent conversation. Oh, man. I really want to talk with you in November so you can teach everybody about Fet Ged. Oh, Am my saying God. saying that right? Fet Ged, yeah. Fet yeah. Ged, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. It was, uh, that's a very cool, very, very cool um, event. Um, that we had gotten done. And so, yes, let's definitely talk closer to the, the Day of the Dead. Um, yes. the moon style. Um, and I know that uh, Senda Morte is uh, coming up in a few days. So I'll be posting an article a lot about my learnings from that um, and my time in Mexico. So, yeah, look out for it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. No worries. Have a great evening, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Before I close out this episode, I just uh, we would just like to give a shout out to Queen Meb at queenmeb.com for all your witchy needs, whether it's books, cards, herbs, candles, classes, great articles at the House of Twigs. Um, and just thank you so much for connecting us with some of the great interviews we've had lately in the witch community and it is not too late to sign up for our patreon this month uh, we will be holding journeying on some upcoming sundays or whichever you know fits the needs of our patrons so it's not too late to get in on this month's journeying and again a hundred percent of the proceeds of our Patreon will go to Rebel Magic Causes through December, and then our plan is to continue a portion of the proceeds to go to continue to go to these causes, as well as um, everything 
invested in the Patreon will go into back into reinvesting into the podcast once we start actually taking some of those proceeds out, possibly at the beginning of next year. Just want to thank you all, all the patrons who've joined so far. And before we close out, we just want to mention to hex the police, hex the patriarchy. Thank you.